Well, hello and welcome to A Reason for Hope. We're glad you're joining us. This will be our last show for this year. After this show today, we're going to be taking a break over the Christmas season and into the new year. And we'll be back with you on Wednesday, January 4th. So just to give you a heads up of that, we warmly welcome you. A Reason for Hope is a live uh, broadcast dedicated to your questions on God's Word, uh, the Bible. That's right, it's your questions that guide our show along. So we're very glad that you're joining us to give us content today. And thank you for your ongoing support of the ministry as well. We have a lot of regulars and um, we are very appreciative of you. So thank you for joining us. My name is Dave Robson. I'll be your host today and fielding those questions as they come on in. Also with us today, uh, Adrian Van Vactor, who's a international and award-winning illusionist, uses his gifts um, around the world to debunk so-called real magic and use it as a vehicle to share the gospel, which is a very amazing and awesome ministry. How are you doing today, sir? Doing actually pretty good. Yeah. Thank you for yeah. joining us. Enjoying the babies and Yeah. Kiddos. You have twins and you also have a, a older son as well. He so just you... turned three. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, you're certainly busy at home. Well, we're glad that you're taking mm. time out of your day to, to be with us. Also, Bo Willette, who's the assistant pastor here at Calvary Christian Fellowship, <laughs> author, wonderful man of God and brother. How are you doing? <laughs> Good, man. Doing yeah. awesome. Yeah. Glad to be here. It's like this week I've been here almost every day. Yeah. Well, you and me both. Yeah. It's been I think. amazing. Yeah. Fun. Indeed. Indeed. Yes. It is yeah, really fun. fun. It is. Well, again, thank you. We look forward to uh, getting into the Word uh, with you today. So there's a various ways that you can join us. If you're listening to us on the radio, you are listening to our, our last show pre-recorded, but on all our other platforms, we are live on all the other social media platforms so consider if you're listening to us on the radio and on your drive time sometime join us on one of those other platforms when you can and you can join us live but you can use our email address which is uh, questionsforhope at gmail.com that's questionsforhope spelled out at gmail.com that's how to email us you can reach us there um, a reason for hope is a ministry of calvary christian fellowship of tucson arizona so keep that in mind as you're trying to uh, to find us you can go to our website, calvarychristianfellowship.com, follow the Watch Live tab, and you'll find us there. On Facebook, Calvary Christian Fellowship as well, you'll find us there, and you can use the chat function to send your questions in. On YouTube, the channel is uh, A Reason for Hope. So A Reason for Hope on YouTube is the channel where you'll find us. We have a mobile app if you look for Calvary Christian Fellowship on your mobile device or even on Roku and Apple TV. You'll find us most places, so keep in mind Calvary Christian Fellowship or Reason for Hope, and you should be able to find us and join in. Our senior pastor, who him and Sean have been under the weather, but I hear they're getting better, going to be with us this Christmas weekend, but not with us tonight. But you can follow Pastor Scott on Twitter at Scott R for H. That's Scott, uh, letter R, number four, letter H, uh, on Twitter, and he posts highlights from the show and kind of commentary on world events and uh, prophetic things. Um, things like that, all kinds of things, funny things and biblical things and all the things you'd want to follow along with Scott uh, there. Uh, well, with all that being said, Adrian, would you like to pray for us before we go any further? Sure. <clears throat> Be I happy to. It. Let's do it. Lord Jesus, thank you for this uh, beautiful time of year. It's just, um, I don't know, it is magical, but uh, we're grateful to know you. And uh, grateful to be here in studio this uh, last uh, program of the year. So we ask that you would give us wisdom, clarity of speech, and the right heart to uh, answer people's questions about your word and about a relationship with you uh, that we all might draw closer to you. 
We ask these things in the only name that we can pray, in Jesus' name. Mm. Amen. 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 Wanted to mention as well, if you're looking for somewhere to fellowship this weekend, for Christmas weekend, mm. you're welcome to join us at Calvary uh, Christian Fellowship in Tucson, Arizona. We're right by Prince and I-10 on the west side of the freeway. We'll have a Christmas Eve service tomorrow, tomorrow evening at 6 p.m. Come early. We're going to have like a cookie social in our fellowship hall. On Christmas Day in the morning, we'll have one service at 9.30 a.m. Just the one service. We usually have three, but for this special Christmas Day, just one service. They'll be family style, so no child care, no uh, children's ministry. But just you're welcome to bring your kids' family style into our worship center. So if you don't have a place to fellowship, then please um, feel free to come join us. If not, enjoy your home church and be blessed. Uh, well, um, Bo, we were talking before the show about the speech that our president gave today. Yeah. And um, you guys yeah, had I some. To talk about it. Yeah. A bit. Very interesting. Yeah. And I thought it was kind of neat. You know, it's, uh, you never know kind of what our presidents are going to say um, about <laughs> Christmas. And, and, um, and so I was able to listen to the speech by President Biden today. And then I was also able to pull up just the, um, you know, the the whole speech and um you know on on the computer as well and just kind of look through it a little bit and um you know it really hit me uh you know this idea of you know political leaders you know talking about christmas talking about jesus and what i found first of all quite odd about uh president biden's speech was just that he didn't mention jesus um, that was like the first thing that I noticed. Like Christmas was used a bunch, mm -hmm. like you know that that <clears throat> word. But and he yeah. mentioned a child born. Yep. So there was a lot of allusions. The virgin birth part, but he did say <laughs> yep. a child who Christians believe to be the son of God. Yeah, and you can go to whitehouse.gov and you can actually check it out and kind of read through it. And I thought there was a lot of you know, allusions. And he, he said to the story, you know, this wonderful story and it, it mm. kind of, you know, and it kind of can bring us all together and no matter who you are and no matter what you believe. And, you know, the Christmas mm. story is one of goodness. Yeah. And, a night of faith, hope, love, <laughs> yeah. peace that is not only shared by, as he said, you know, as Christians, but also all peoples from no matter what faith you are, even those who have no faith, which... I don't know about Christmas bringing that to people of all faiths and no faiths, but yeah. certainly it's true that everyone believes that we ought to have peace and love and hope. And <laughs> yeah, that's, that's <laughs> you know, it's just how do we achieve those things, right? Yeah. But, you know, and, and it's interesting because as, uh, you know, I would say as a person who, you know, came to understand who Jesus was and re read the Bible, you know, in my late teenage years and into my 20s and, um you know, the Christmas message is, is one of a, a long, it's a long-weighted event in the biblical narrative. Mm. Um, it's one that starts on page two of your Bible, or maybe three of your Bible, of a promised mm -hmm. Messiah that would come on the scene mm. and rectify uh, uh, the situation. Um, and so Christmas is really a an incredibly desperate moment mm. and uh in the grand scheme of things for us humans you know humans are lost and and detached and there is no god uh, evident in the world because god is hidden from 
us. There's some kind of separation. And so even the prophets of Israel would say things like, mm. you know, our sins have separated you from God. And mm. They said, Jeremiah, man, what a good book to read right now, especially after reading the speech, I thought, you know, where, you know, Jeremiah would say things like, um, you know, you the people are near to me in their mouths, but they're far away from me in their mind, mm. you know? And there's a lot of lip service, but there's not a lot of really belief, hmm. you know, in who I am. And Jesus, of course, when we think of Jesus, Jesus didn't um, give us the opportunity to think of him as just some person to, who brings kind of this universal peace, you know, at no cost, just this kind of philosophical peace especially at the expense of truth right you know yeah jesus came and said some very radical things and you know saying things like hey he who does not believe in me does not have eternal Mm -hmm. life yeah i mean jesus said things like no one knows the father except the son Mm. no one Mm. i mean that is a radical statement And Jesus says, just as the Father has life in himself, so I have life in myself. You know, just as the Father judges, so Mm -hmm. he's given all judgment to me, the Son. He really stripped away a lot of the lip service (laughs) that people, the religious people of his day, especially the leaders, uh, that they were righteous on the outside, but wicked on the inside. Mm. And that's, that's like the perfect, caricature of lip service. Yeah. And so I I thought it would be cool to look at how Jesus confronted the, uh, we could call it the hegemony, which is a big popular word today that just describes like ruling power Mm -hmm. uh, of his day. You know, how did Jesus, what was he like before, in a sense, the president of his day? Mm. You know, Mm. what was he like before that? Because you made a great point when we were talking about kind of this show was, uh, you know, wouldn't it be great if we could all act like Jesus if we had a chance to meet the president? Mm-hmm. Or how to... Ch- or what would we say? What would we say? If we had five seconds to shake <laughs> his hand and we had five seconds to say something. Yes. You know, what would we say? And more importantly, what would Jesus say if he had just five seconds to shake his hand and speak for five seconds? What yeah. Could, what could we theorize? <laughs> totally. So in John 18, and for those that are listening, John 18 verses 28 through 40, the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the place of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, what charges are you bringing against this man? So here Jesus is going to be brought before Pontius Pilate, the governor over Judea. And it says, if they were if he is, if you were not a criminal, they replied, he would not have. We we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, "Take him, or take him yourself, and judge him by your own law." But we have no right to execute anyone. They objected. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. Hmm. So now Pilate then it says went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus. And this is the big moment, right? Jesus before the power structure, Jesus before the ruling, you know, governor, you know, are you the king of the Jews? He says, 
Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? And I love that right off the mm -hmm. bat. I mean, don't you find that so cool? I mean, Pilate asked him a question, hey, Jesus, are you the king of the Jews, man? <laughs> like, that's what people say. And he says, is that your own idea, Jesus asked me? And he challenges Pontius Pilate, mm -hmm. even on what he is hearing about Jesus. Yeah. You know, he really wants to get Pontius Pilate to kind of make a decision for himself. He's almost saying, is this the man standing before me asking me this, or is this a politician asking me this? Right, yeah. Like, why are you really, are you really wanting to know? Mm -hmm. You know, or are you just, you know, are you just like, oh, <clears throat> you know, you're just some, you know, figurehead, you and, know? Or, and since Jesus and, already knew what was in the hearts of all human beings, you know, supernaturally, yeah, he already knew the answer. He was asking Pilate this for the so for him to ask himself the question so he, that he could know what is my real motivation. Yeah, what well, am I doing here? That's right. <laughs> you know, G and it's funny because Jesus like is always bringing people to making decisions. You know, eternal significant decisions. You know, what would I say before a president? Mm. That would be an eternal significant statement. You know, something that brings someone to really make, think about their life or thinking about what they're saying, mm -hmm. you know? And if you think of some of the statements Jesus has made in his ministry, <laughs> things like, I am from above, you are from below. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Can you imagine if we were to say things like that to other people? You yeah. know, it just goes to show how Jesus so often uh, spoke to his deity, his divine nature, and right in front of people. So when he says to the 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 ruling you know the fair the pharisees annas and the priest the high priest he says look i've been teaching in the synagogues and the temple complex openly so why don't you go ask all the people who sat and listened to me and they'll answer all your questions because i haven't had i haven't taught anything in secret yeah and it shows that the power structure of jesus's day whether it was the jewish power structure ananias mm -hmm. and caiaphas um you know they you know, those specifically, you know, they they had to deal with Jesus, but they didn't want to lose their power. And that's what hegemonies do. That's what power structures do, is they don't want to lose their power. And so, you know, Jesus, you know, Pilate, you could see him kind of trying to figure this out. Like, how can I deal with Jesus? How can I give the right thing, say the right thing, mm -hmm. that I don't really offend too many people? I don't mm -hmm. cause up a dust. You know, especially a rebellion, you right. know, you know, because, hey, I want to stay in power. Yeah. I want to, you know, and I imagine that that's got to be on the hearts of any mm -hmm. politician today. Yeah. Right? I think <clears throat> of um, Nicodemus comes to mind. He went to Jesus at nighttime. Mm -hmm. Right. That always struck me as sort of going at night in secret. to let's check out more of this. But it's kind of mm -hmm. what you're saying. And, you know, they've got a lot to, lot have to, to risk. Yeah. Yeah. Have to maintain public appearances. Right. And yeah, so Pilate is asked, you know, he, he goes inside, he summons Jesus, and are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? And Pilate replies, I am, or am I a Jew, he says? Your own people and chief priest handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? So Pilate plays almost like an authoritative card here, right, to Jesus. You know, Jesus, our Pilate says, man, am I a, a Jewish person? You know, um, you know, your own people have brought you over to me. You know, what is it that you have done? Like, what's the deal? Like, your own people don't like you, you mm -hmm. know? And 
you know, this is the interesting thing. Jesus says, I have come to bring a sword. And this is what I find so fascinating is, yeah, Jesus came to bring peace. And there are statements like that. There is a peace that Jesus came to bring, but there also is a sword. And it is the right sword. It is, it is what Blaise Pascal, the mathematician, said. It's the, it's the best war that God could bring anybody, mm. meaning the sword that you need to make a decision the fight that you need to make a decision mm. of who Jesus Christ is. That's the best war that God could bring to mm. you, you know? Mm. And, and mm. that's so true, right? That's the one we need to figure out. Mm. And, and so, but Jesus says, you know, I've come to set mother against daughter, father against son, right? Mm. Those of his own household mm. will be hated because of me, mm. you know? Um, they will hate you because of me. And, you know, it's funny because a lot of times when we hear speeches like this, they all sound so universalistic. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's a that's a specific term, right? Universalistic. There's universal churches, mm-hmm. um, which is the idea there is that um, all roads lead to yeah. salvation. Yeah. But Jesus was just speaking about universal truths that apply to everybody that you don't necessarily need to be a Christian per se, but that there are just sort of universal karmic type truths that we all kind of live through the universe. Yeah. Whether you're a Hindu or a Christian or a Muslim, it's all the same as long as you're sort of on the path. Right. Mm-hmm. And 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 this this speech, today's speech was very like that. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, this idea that uh, you know, um, you know, we all have this lo- love and this gospel of peace and you know, we all can unite and be joined together in, in love and harmony and, you know, this kind of idea. And, and so I find it ironic that, you know, uh, there's this universalistic kind of always vibe mm-hmm. with these kind of speeches. And yet, you know, Jesus is making it so crystal clear that that he's come to bring this sword yeah. and this division. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that people will literally hate because of me yeah meaning jesus seems to say people i'm not going to be this like person that you know we're all going to just rally around and just be like you know wow you know you know hey it doesn't matter what you think or Mm -hmm. what you believe you know we just all love jesus and that's it and it's kind of it doesn't have much weight with it you know but jesus seemed to say no i am a specific person and it has meaning and implications mm-hmm. what I'm doing, yeah. um, eternal implications. Mm-hmm. So, um, it, it, and I'm so, uh, I'm being so specific about who I am, Jesus is getting at, that when people think of me, they're either going to be drawn to me or they're going to despise me. They're going to hate yeah. me, you know, violently hate me. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, so. It, it, it's it's kind of weird, right? <laughs> and it wasn't as ecumenical as it could have been. If you compared his speech to, like, let's say, Obama's last mm-hmm. year speech and maybe compare some of the other ones. Yeah. Very, very ecumenical. This one was probably more divisive than I would have imagined. Yeah. The fact that he kept mentioning the word Christmas. Christmas over mm-hmm. and over. And he used terms like Bethlehem and, mm-hmm. uh, the you know, the child. <clears throat> yeah, and, he quotes and, O Holy Night, his law of love and his gospel of peace. Mm. 
Yeah, and he, he quotes you the know. Apollo 8 crew when they read Genesis 1, and he even went on to say things like the the stillness that is at the heart of Christmas that we all should find, mm-hmm. and uh, that you never, and about being kind to others in light of Christmas. That's These are sentiments that a lot of people are wholly rejecting. They, they despise the idea of Christmas, and you know you just read the rhetoric on social media, and I, it wasn't as ecumenical as it could have been. Right, <laughs> so no. I was actually, no. even though he didn't mention the name Jesus, it was still a very um, Christian universal or, Christian yeah. message rather than a religious ecumenical message. Yeah, that's a good point, too, you know, that, that it was maybe in, within Christendom, it was very universalistic, mm-hmm. you know, um, and and I'm certainly wanting to see like, hey, how did Jesus approach these people? How did Jesus approach the power structure? Yeah, I mean, I think that's interesting. Mm-hmm. So so we're still in John 18 in this little tiny Bible study, <laughs> and it says, you know, um, uh, in verse 36, Jesus said, "My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest." by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. So Jesus makes it very clear that the hegemonical structure of his day, the plutocracies, the oligarchies, whatever you want to say, mm. all those garkies and whatevers, they all were in the wrong, mm. right? That they, you know, he says, if my kingdom were of this world, I'm not even of this world. Mm-hmm. If it were, my servants would fight um, to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. Mm. So Jesus makes it clear that he is being wronged, mm-hmm. you know, at this point. Um, and then he said, and then Pilate responds and says, you are a king then. And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Mm-hmm. Oh man, could you imagine that to a political leader? Right? Yeah. This that's, is that's the sword. It's the sword of truth. Mm. That's yeah. right. So he Jesus says, That's right. Yeah, you you say I'm a king. In fact, I this is why I was born, this is why I came into the world, right? To testify to the truth, right? Mm. And everyone on the side of the truth listens to me. Man, talk about the sword of division, right? Mm. If you're on the side of truth, how many you know, politicians use the idea of, hey, this is the truth. I mean, we live in a day and age of misinformation, and this oh, is misinformation, yeah. and this is misinformation. We got yeah. power structures <clears throat> telling us what misinformation yeah. is, which mm. is probably the scariest thing, right? Yeah. I mean, you have yeah. the power structure telling us, yeah. you know. Just dip your foot for five minutes in yeah. the political news of the day, the news cycle, and the level of deceit and the, the, the very tricky rhetoric. Yeah. It just it's infuriating. It doesn't matter what side of the <clears throat> spectrum where you are on the yeah, political spectrum, right. what kind of political views you hold when when you're fair and you hear someone say something and you go, "Well, that's not really what happened or that's not quite that other person's position or that's not quite what happened. That's not really the situation. It's just disgusts you." And so when Jesus comes along and says, "Well, no, I'm I've come here to testify to the truth." Yeah. And so anything that that contradicts what I say is not true. And wow. that's what divides families is, well, Jesus is the Messiah. And like Paul said on Mars Hill, God has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. Every single human being will have to give an account to God 
for how they live their life. And that model, <laughs> the judgment is Christ himself, how he lived. Yeah. Uh, not just God's law, but Jesus is the perfect reflection of God's law. Yeah, Paul went on to say that, you know, he's uh, commanded a day in which the world will be judged by righteousness mm-hmm. by the man whom he has yeah. appointed. Right. Who he's approved of by raising him from the dead, yeah. Jesus the Christ. Fern, I love the way the yeah. Nasby says it fern, by furnishing proof right, by raising right. him from the dead. Raising him from yeah. the dead, meaning Jesus is that linchpin. He is mm-hmm. that person. And Jesus here confronts that ruling person, that political mm-hmm. person, mm-hmm. and says, You have to deal with who I am. Mm-hmm. I am truth. Yeah. And I am the one. Mm-hmm. If you want to know truth, you need to come to me. Yeah. And, and think of that too, like Jesus is a, and Pilate sees the political issues. He sees that, hey, you know what? You know, you know I'm not a Jew and I don't want to upset the Jews. Yep. And I want to, you know, I don't want to upset anybody, mm-hmm. you know, here in the situation. And Jesus being a Jewish man says, by the way, Pilate, you know, Roman, mm-hmm. you know, you don't know the truth, man. Like, he doesn't say, like, you know, there's some truth in the Greek culture, and, hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and, yeah. you know, I mean, the Greek-Roman culture is gigantic, you know, super powerful, yeah. right? But this little guy from Nazareth, yep. I mean, it's so awkward <laughs> of a moment, <laughs> you know, yep. of a, ti- a guy from a tiny little town with a hick voice says to Pilate, hey, man, I'm the guy you should be coming to wow. for truth. Y'all. Yeah, yeah, not not Caesar, not not all of Rome's culture, all of the entertainment of Rome, mm-hmm. all the structures that we have today in the United States, the yeah. entertainment power structure, mm. right? Yeah. The different corporation structure powers, right? The political powers, mm-hmm. right? All the different power structures. Jesus says right to it, you know what? You guys have to deal with me. Yeah. I mean, man, and that that cuts to everybody's heart once mm. again. Mm. It's like, what, my my entertainment's wrong? Like, that's that's not true? Yep. Like, you know, the person I love to listen to is not true? Yep. You know? You know, the politician or the podcaster or this kind of part, or the YouTuber, you know? Yep. And, and, you know? Yeah, they, they could all potentially be wrong. Yeah. Life-changing. I, yeah. Yeah. It's mm. like, you know, Jesus brings about... <clears throat> You know, he he makes, like, when he confronts the power structure, he makes the power structure realize that they're not really powerful. Mm. Mm. You know, he brings that to a head. Mm. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So, like, when he comes before the president, what would I say? Maybe I need to say something that says, you know what, like, God is greater Mm. You know, maybe yeah. that's the thing that needs to be said. Greater than the president of Greater the United States. Greater than the States. president of anybody. You know, no but, way. Yeah, it's like, but that, you know, Jesus is making that kind of a mm-hmm. point, you know, which well, I find I, fascinating. And that the truth that's on his side, I guess you could say, is that no power structure has ever been able to overcome the sting of sin, which is death. It's still one per person and no... No amount of technology or powerful government or uh, spending bills mm. has been able to overcome that fundamental universal rule of life that we will not only cease to uh, be breathing, but um, <clears throat> we will not uh, we will not cease to exist. We will continue to exist and stand before God. Mm. So he he's the sort of the mirror 
of that reality in one sense. Uh, and he continues to challenge and overthrow the power structures of, you know, intellectual, the intellectual world as well. I, I remember we use this illustration every now and then just as a fun tool, but one of the poster childs for atheism was Dr. Anthony Flew, and he wrote this little parable to sort of prove to theists that, ah, see, see how nonsensical your belief is? And it goes like this. There's two explorers and they're in out in the nature and exploring and they come across a garden a well-kept garden and one of the explorers says well there's got to be a gardener here because this garden is well kept and the other one's sort of skeptical and he goes no i don't see anybody out here we're way far from civilization so on and so forth you know i'm expounding on the original one i'm not quoting it but they go on to debate whether or not there's a gardener and so the the skeptic says, well, how about we wait all night and we'll keep an eye out? And again, I'm rephrasing in my own words, but uh, the parable is similar. But he says, you know, we'll stay up all night. We'll put up, you know, guard dogs and see what happens. And, you know, they stay up all night and no gardener is ever seen. And so he, the skeptic goes, see, I told you. And the believer goes, no, this this gardener, you know, he sneaks in at night. And so they set up more traps to catch him. And another night goes by and he goes, see, no gardener. He goes, well, this one, he's, he's invisible and he's intangible and he's eternally elusive. And the skeptic finally says, then how does an eternally elusive, intangible, invisible gardener differ than no gardener at all? And so his point is, is that if God's invisible intangible and eternally elusive, how is that different than just a non-God, a non-existent thing? And the point that the Christian is making is that, no, God ceased being intangible. He ceased being invisible. He ceased being eternally elusive in the Christmas story by coming as a human being and saying, no, here I am. You know, like one atheist argument would say, well, you could say Mike made this pizza. Well, I can show you Mike, show me God, and say, well, I can show you God too. Let's go to history and look at the historic Jesus Christ. Yeah. Because he did furnish proof by raising him from the dead. Right. And so that's the the heart of the Christmas story just also confronts agnosticism and atheism in its face. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, so Pilate's answer to Jesus, you know, saying this, I, this thing about truth, because Jesus said, hey, I, I was born came into the world to testify to the truth. So there is a truth. And he says, everyone on the side of the truth listens to me, which super dividing. Mm-hmm. And then Pilate retorts, right? He, what does he say? The famous, what is truth? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Oof. And, you know, and with this, he went out again to the Jews, gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. Right? And then we know what happens, right? the Jewish power structure does everything they can to get him murdered, mm-hmm. right? And they do, mm-hmm. um, because he doesn't fit into their power structure at all. Yep. And uh, you know, and when someone doesn't fit into a power structure, mm-hmm. the power structure has to do something about that person. Yep. You know, that's how it works. Yep. And so Jesus is executed. Yeah. But don't you love kind of I mean I mean love in a weird kind of twilight zony way, you know, <laughs> if we had the music dee 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 you know where Pilate says, you know, what is truth? Yeah. I mean that's so eerie. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it's almost like, oh yeah, Jesus, you know, yeah, you say you're the truth, but you know, really in the grand scheme of things, what is truth? You know, we're all here just to kind of get by and make sure that we, you know, stay on top, you know, and you know, we get all we can get in this world and that kind of thing. I mean, there really, is there really truth to seek out? Is there, is Jesus really the truth? I mean, I mean, do I really want to say that, Mm -hmm. you know? You know, you could see where Pilate, as a governor, um, was caught in between a rock and a hard place. Mm-hmm. You know, he just couldn't. It would be a political uh, death blow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If he would have said suicide. Yeah. If he yeah. would have said, "Yeah, Jesus, you are the truth." <clears throat> yeah. You know, the Jews would have hated him. Uh, the power structure of of Judaism would have hated him at the day. Yeah. The Romans would have got on Pontius Pilate, no doubt. Yep. For saying, oh, Jesus, yeah, you are a king. You are truly the king. You are the creator king. Yep. <laughs> you know, that kind or, of... Or at the very least, continued to maintain his innocence and said, you know, I mean, he tried to wash his hands of it, but yeah, he really didn't. Right, right. And, and that's what a lot of us, I think, want to do in the world. We just want to, we want to think of Jesus and just do what Pontius Pilate does. I think a lot of us in the world, and I know I did for years, you know, just looked at Jesus and said, yeah, what is truth? You know, I did not want to be confronted by Jesus mm. in the slightest. Mm. You know? Everyone disagrees. Everyone has reasons for, you know, it's like the it's argument right. with theology and doctrine. Well, everyone has their verses, yeah, you know, right. <laughs> it's just kind of giggle at that. <clears throat> yeah. And as a, you know, growing up, you know, uh, it's not that I didn't mind hearing about Jesus. Mm. It's not that I didn't, you know, think that Jesus wasn't a uh, uh, a good guy, you know, or anything like that, you know, and he had a cultural significance to mm-hmm. the world, but I didn't want to see him as someone who divided, you know, people. I didn't want right. to see him as someone who claimed to be ultimately the truth, objective truth, and everybody else was a liar. Right. That was way too narrow. Yeah. That was too confrontive. Yeah. That, was, that was too, I have to deal with everything in my life. Yeah. Like if I'm really going to say this guy from Nazareth uh, is actually telling the truth, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and I had to come to grips with things. And, you know, Jesus does this in John chapter four, when he meets a Samaritan woman at a well. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says something that really shook my world when I first read it, when I was 17 years old. Mm-hmm. And it was this statement Jesus said, for salvation is from the Jews. Mm. And when I read that, I got chills and I kind of put down the the word and I was just like, ugh, mm. ah, I don't know if I like that. You know, Jesus says to a woman, you know, lady, you do not know what you believe mm. for salvation is of the Jews. Mm. And I thought, oh my gosh, that is like the, that's like political suicide. You do not say that kind of stuff. I mean, I'm a SoCal guy. You know, we we were like, oh, you're you're okay, okay. Oh, you're good. You do your thing. I do my thing. I mean, that's how we are in SoCal. Live your truth. Live your truth, (laughs) man. I mean, you know, I mean, we were love is love before love is love, and uh, you know that kind of thing. And you know, and to hear to read that, I thought, oh my heavens, man, Jesus really does not leave room for this kind of you know this wiggle room. To be like, oh, you know, he is truth. And he's saying this to multiple people. 
So, you know, what does Pontius Pilate do with a lot of us does do? You know, we just turn around and we'd say, hey, what is truth, you know? And hey, you know, it's just a, you know, he's a philosophy guy maybe yeah. and just, you know, kind of, you know, maybe pocket some of what he says, but the rest just kind of <clears throat> shuffle it aside. Mm-hmm. And, um, but thing is, is that is the thing that Jesus did not leave us options to do. Right. And that's why Christmas is so radical. Yeah. Because it says that there is only one way. Yeah. That's what the Christmas story says. Yeah. There's only a, one <clears throat> way. And this thing, the reason why Jesus says salvation is from the Jews is because this is something, a narrative that has been played out, like I said at the very beginning, for a long time. This is what the Bible is about. Yeah. It is about a child being born. Yeah. I mean, un, it's just absolutely radical. Yeah. Of a, and it doesn't start, Christianity did not start in the New Testament. That's an absolute myth. Mm. Christianity started back in Genesis yeah. on second page or the third page, yeah. matters which Bible right. you got. <laughs> yeah. Or in the very beginning when Jesus was <laughs> already with God. And yeah, Jesus, but, the but word specifically was God. that idea of Messiah being born, yeah. mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, So your seed, yeah, the, the Genesis 3 after the fall, mm-hmm. God made that promise and that crimson thread goes throughout the entire scriptures right the seed of the woman will crush satan right and mm-hmm. uh you know the whole thing so yeah. um anyway so I, I thought that would be cool we yeah. look at you know president biden uh not you know said a lot of cool stuff mm-hmm. i mean i'm not i give him that and uh and adrian you pointed out some good stuff there and we just see how jesus confronted the yeah. the structures of his day yeah and i think it's it it's a really important point that you made about peace you know that jesus came to bring peace because did Jesus come to bring peace? Well, the Bible says he did and that he didn't. You know, so the kind of, it's an interesting study. What was the kind of peace that he came? Because he said, was it mm-hmm. Matthew 10? I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword, mm-hmm. dividing households, like you said. Yeah. So he didn't come to bring peace, but then other places in Romans. Well, we even have, in the birth. We have the peace. Birth. We have peace with God. So he did. So the kind of peace that he brought was peace with God. Peace have, and goodwill towards yeah, men. Right. Yeah. And then we sing, and that's why I think that's such an, in, an important thing to grasp because we sing that peace at Christmas, you know, but the peace we have is peace with God, not necessarily the peace. Like I say, Jesus said, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to divide. If you're going to follow me, you're going to be divided. Yeah. They're going to hate you. There's a nuanced um, application to how the church ought to behave as well. We ought to be bringers of peace and love and in gentleness and kindness. People ought to know we are followers of Jesus by how we live, not just mm. our words. And this is something that is always convicting of me because I fail at it miserably. <laughs> Sometimes I let the pride of having the truth, and I yield this. I you know wield the sword more often than I ought to. And mm. it's the it's the sword of the truth, like Paul says in Second Corinthians ten. We do not fight the way the world does. So when there's a sword, our swords aren't metal. Right. He says, but we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So that truth is what brings division. It's the, the proclamation of the gospel that brings division. But our lives ought to be a reflection of kindness and love and peace in everything we do, like in... What Peter says, you know, be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give an answer for the hope that lies within, but with gentleness and respect. When we love our enemies, we are heaping hot coals on their heads. 
So I think that's the, another way to look at that contrast of peace and a sword is that our lives and our behavior are always reflective of peace and kindness and gentleness and meekness. But it's the courage and the boldness to speak the truth in love, no matter the circumstances, as they did in Acts 4. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they went out and spoke the Word of God boldly. Mm. That boldness that only the Holy Spirit can give to a believer or bring about in a believer is that device of sort of truth. Yeah. Um, Romans chapter 5, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Mm -hmm. Christ. Right? Right? So it's kind of right in that direction. Jesus Mm -hmm. came to bring peace, but a lot of us don't understand that the Christmas story is one that is amidst wrath. Yeah. It's it's amidst the wrath against a holy God against Mm -hmm. mankind. Mm -hmm. And there's an absence of God. There is a... In a sense, a, um, a a wondering in the people's minds of is there God? Where is God? Yep. Mm. And see, the absence of God is the proof of a problem. Yeah, it's it it, it, it it brings up an issue, and that is why is God absent from us humans? Right. Either one, He doesn't exist, or two, there's something wrong. But if God shows himself one uh, at, at all, at any time, right? Mm-hmm. If he shows himself just once, then then it's, you know, it only can be one thing. Yeah. And that is there is a problem. Right. And this is what Jesus has come to do. He comes to reveal the Father, and which shows that there's a problem, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. That is proof that there's a problem. Right. But he's also come to do a job of, of reconciling and sharing the love of the Father and making a way to bring us back as humans back into a relationship with our Father who's been distanced and, uh, you know, due to our sin. Yeah. And so, you know, there's so much good stuff there. Yeah. You know, but a lot of times when we just think of a little baby, you know, in a manger, right. <laughs> we kind of lose mm-hmm. yeah. Sight of okay. It. Yeah. To not, I mean, to receive the good news, <clears throat> you've got to know what the bad news yeah. was. You know, and to be saved, you got to know what you're getting saved from. You know, and that's you got to accept that truth that we are wickedly right. first. You got to, you got to, yeah. you know, you got to know that you you're lost. You There's got to be that humility. And, right. and what is it about truth? Why is truth the division? Why is that the sword? It's because truth, by definition, is exclusive. You know, right. if something is true, anything that contradicts it is false. So yeah. if you look at world religions and worldviews and just beliefs in general, it's possible that every human being could be absolutely wrong. Nobody got it right. But you cannot say that they're all correct because they fundamentally contradict one another. People think that religions or worldviews are superficially different but fundamentally the same and the opposite is true if you spend any time talking conversing with a hindu or a buddhist or a muslim as i have you find that on the fundamental level the very bedrock foundation Mm -hmm. there is tremendous blatant contradiction between views they cannot all be true at the same time in the same way in the same sense Mm -hmm. so in that sense simply by speaking the truth you've already just kicked everybody out of the room. You've yeah, already said, yeah. all right, this is the truth. And everyone's like, well, I don't think that. Now you've just excluded everybody simply by pointing out the facts. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it would be, I mean, you could put it like in math terms, right? Like, do, does yeah. math facts matter? 
And like, well, sure, if you're, especially if you're an engineer, right? Yeah. Or you're, uh, you know, on a ship, like a boat, and you have, yeah. you, you know, you know, numbers matter. Yeah. Longitude matters. Latitude matters. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, mm-hmm. you can't mistake one hundred and four with the number four. Yeah. You know, something really serious is going to go wrong. Yeah. You know, facts mm-hmm. matter. You know, how much more serious if you get the wrong answers for the eternal soul that you have in in your that who you are yeah your eternal soul soul is far more dependent on the truth than yeah so than I, maybe a building <laughs> on that idea of what you just got done saying i found this kind of quote interesting of, of today's speech it says the christmas story is at the heart of christmas christian faith but the message of hope love peace and joy they're also universal it speaks to all of us whether we're christian jewish hindu muslim buddhist or any other faith, or no faith at all. It speaks to all of us human beings who are here on this earth to care for one another, to look out for one another, to love one another. Mm. So it, it's kind of interesting how it got it got really interesting at that point, yeah. you know? Again, it's like, I understand it though, because if you're Pontius Pilate, you know, you gotta, you're a politician, right? right? You have mm-hmm. to try to make this work, yeah. right? Because you're in power. Yeah. And, and, you know, you want to stay in power. There's a lot to lose. There's yeah. a lot to lose. Yeah. That's right. So, you know, you, you start, in a sense, making the Christmas story not really the Christmas story, yeah. you know, in order to, you know, you know, kind keep, of make it all work. Keep the peace. Keep the peace, <laughs> right. Yeah. Another kind a- of peace. Another kind of peace, right? <laughs> a peace that Jesus would say is no peace at all. Yeah. You know? He's doing the opposite of testifying to the truth. He's yeah. sort of, well, we would, I guess you could say he's just kind of saying nice things. Yeah, and we've all, and, and by the, by golly, you know, President President Biden, like, you know, we all do this. It's not just him. Mm. You know, mm. this is not this is not just him. This is me, and 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 this is you and you and yeah. and and the listeners. It's like we all, you know, in moments where we <clears throat> could share, like you were saying, Adrian, you know, God's word in a loving way, but with that, with that really that powerful Holy Spirit of speaking the truth, you know, not compromising that one is one and five is five Mm -hmm. and four is four, you know, that kind of idea, you know, really, really being able, and and we've all, I mean, just think of your life really quick, you know, and think of how many times you were at the dinner table with Mm -hmm. family Mm -hmm. or you had that moment and you didn't do it. Mm. You didn't share, you know, he didn't share the truth, mm-hmm. you know, and it was right there before you. Mm. Yeah. And that's that same feeling. That's that same thing that whether you're a president, whether you're not, it's that feeling we all get. It's that emotion we all get of being, you know, we don't want to be not liked. Yeah. We don't want people to think weird things about us. Um, we don't want to be the outsider. We don't want to be the outsider. It's easy to right. desire to be appreciated and adored and that's the the human condition and this is why jesus's words are so radical blessed are those who hate you Mm. for my name's sake Mm. right blessed are you you know and you go wow you know jesus tries to encourage us he doesn't try he he does encourage us Mm. by saying hey you can be associated with me yeah you know you who are you going to draw close to? And I challenge all the college students. Who are you going to draw close to? Yeah. Mm. Are you going to draw to the hege- hegemonical powers of your day? Yeah. 
Mm. Are, are you going to draw to the lowly Jesus, the one who, who fought the hegemony so beautifully, yeah. did it so lovely, was able to go before all the power structure of his day yeah. and do it in a loving way, mm. literally laying his life down, yeah. literally letting them beat him up tremendously and killing him in the most radical way. Yeah. I mean, who's going to be your hero? Right. You know, big corporate, big money. Yeah. You know, who are you following college student out there? Yeah. You know, think about it. Yeah. You know, yeah. why wouldn't you look to Jesus and go, man, dude, that guy was beautifully radical. Yeah. You know, uh, in the most loving sense of the term radical, yeah. you know, not radical as in harsh radical, right. you know, but loving radical. And we've all had those, even as believers, we've all had those Peter denying Jesus's moments. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so sorry we took up so much yeah. time. 50 minutes, man. I know. We have a couple of questions. Maybe we can get to them before, yeah, yeah. <laughs> before the end of the so show. Yeah, I'm great discussion. Right now. Huh? <laughs> Bo, Bo's the answer guy, though. I'm just, I'm just... It was, I mean, great discussion and certainly, again, puts Christmas you know, in perspective. What did Jesus really come to do? Not just the little baby in a, in a manger. <laughs> no. yeah. uh, a couple of questions on angels, on the theme of angels here hmm. um, from Talon. Yeah. He's asking, do angels have free will and then Torbeth was asking what do cherubs and seraphim look like and what are the wheels that are besides them in Ezekiel so Ooh, Ezekiel what do angels look like are they little chubby babies with little wings and harps yes that we see on the the uh, Hallmark Hallmark cards mm. um well I would say this is that you know angels when you look at angels um in the Christmas story um they are uh, intimidating, yeah. You know, in the Christmas story. Mm -hmm. So shame Sean isn't here because he loves the subject of angels. Yeah, he and, will, <laughs> and he certainly could talk more make about you a, it. But... Yeah, make you a foil, uh, yeah, picture <laughs> of one that will rock your world. Yeah, um, like an angel doesn't show up in wings or anything like that. We don't see that. Mm. Um, an angel shows up as a person. And yeah. that's uh, might blow some people a little mm -hmm. bit away. Well, when they appear on Earth, they appear as people. Yeah, most they of the appear time. as people. When you have visions, like in Ezekiel, they, they defy as they describe different creatures. Sometimes they're described as having many wings and eyes, and all kinds of interesting. And I, I would think that these are sort of not necessarily allegorical, but a symbolic language to describe something. Um, yeah, maybe um, uh, angels. Angels just means messenger. You know, that's all yeah. it means. So when it says, you know, an angel, it's just a messenger mm -hmm. of God. Yeah. Um, again, not you know, we can, we got to get rid of the wings idea um, as far as angels go. Mm. You mean when the bell rings, the <clears throat> angel doesn't get their wings? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just you know we you know got to kind of move Merry away from Christmas, that. Everyone. Now there are other creatures in the Bible. So there are someone. Uh, someone you know commented there are seraphim, yeah, seraphim, and bright cherubs. ones, you know, lighted ones, um, you know, cherubim. These kind of these creatures that are made that seem to be different from angels, mm. you know. Um, so when we see, like, for instance, in the Book of Revelation, the four living creatures that are before the throne of God mm. in Revelation chapter four and five. Um, you see this, these are winged creatures like that of these seraphim and cherubim that mm. is one of them's referenced in Ezekiel. Yeah. 
right. um, that are before the throne mm. of God. And they have eyes all over them. They're kind of very unique looking creatures. Yep. But they seem to be very much wrapped around this idea of worshiping God and around the throne of God. Mm. So when the tabernacle gets made in the Old Testament, uh, these instructions, these architectural papers, or I should, shouldn't say papers, but Moses comes down the mountain with some architectural you know, blueprints. Yep. One of them is of this box, right? This Ark of the Covenant. Mm -hmm. And it has this cherubim on it and these big wings that are in a sense overshadowing this seat, mercy seat, mm -hmm. which is which is the place of meeting. Mm -hmm. That's what God keeps saying. This is the place of meeting. This is the place I meet with you. Right. And and then you see in Revelation chapter four and five a a vision of heaven, and you see kind of these angelic beings around the throne of God, and mm -hmm. you kind of get this idea that whoa, what Moses is describing or what he's what he's the blueprints he got mm -hmm. was just a picture of these interesting creatures yep. that are before God. So when you think of angels, you have to think of messenger. They show up usually just as people. Mm -hmm. You can't think of them as like winged, you know, things, right. you know. And I would separate them from seraphim and <clears throat> cherubim okay. that are created beings that seem to be somewhat wrapped around this idea of worshiping God. Right. Um, We're also told that we can entertain angels without even knowing it, right? So yes. there's this range of appearance of angels mm -hmm. we could interact, give someone a hitchhiker and it could be an angel or whatever. Yeah, we're touched that. by an angel's kind of thing. Yeah. That would show. <clears throat> which you know. is amazing. They're, all, they're also described as ministering spirits. So the concept is that they're incorporeal beings. Mm -hmm. They don't um, naturally possess biological bodies like we do. They're spiritual beings. And then they can appear and manifest physically by God's power, but their essential nature is spirit, uh, non-physical, yeah. incorporeal. Right. Is sort of, I think, the term. Most yeah. theologians' understanding of the descriptions of angels that they're uh, spiritual yeah. uh, ministers or ministering spirits. Yeah. And, a, and, and <clears throat> I, I love that, you know, uh, uh, the person brought up Ezekiel. Yeah. Um, because that passage is unreal. Chapter seven. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that is great. Um, <clears throat> Uh, I was thinking in chapter one, actually, right? Is that what she's referring to? Ezekiel chapter one, right? Uh, yeah. So I bet you said Ezekiel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, it, it is just, this this section is unreal. Each one had four faces. Each one had four wings. The legs were straight and the soles of their feet were like the soles of calf's feet. They sparkled like the color of burnished mm. bronze. Their hands of... Uh, the hands of a man were under their wings on their four sides, and each of the four had faces and wings. Their wings touched one another. Then creature, uh, the creatures did not turn when they went, but each one went straight forward. I mean, this is a really unique description. Mm. Um, as for the likeness of their faces, each had the face of a man, each had the face, the four, uh, each of the four had the face of a lion. On the right side, each of the four had the face of an ox on the left side, and each of the four had the face of an eagle. Man. Okay. 
Uh, so, <laughs> David, are you getting scared over there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, it is an unreal. It just keeps going, right? Their wings were stretched upward. Two wings of each one touched one another, and two covered their bodies. And each one went straight forward, and they went wherever the spirit wanted to go. And they did not turn when they went. I mean, isn't that weird? They did mm. not turn. It mm. was like, I mean, they're like a, like a chess piece, yeah. you know? I mean, really, really interesting description. Mm -hmm. um, their appearance of the wheels and their working was like the color of barrel. It talks about these wheels, right? Uh, the living creatures um, had these wheels. It says, was on the earth besides each living creature with its four faces. I mean, it's just like, it's very descriptive. Yeah. Now, Adrian, you said this could be something that's like a symbol of a picture of something. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I think the, I, I mean, what I, what I do see is that, you know, we see something in multiple passages in the Bible mm. that describe these kind of creatures. Yeah. They all seem to have a lot of eyes. They have interesting faces. They ha and they're worshiping God. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. They're, they're around God, yeah. you know? And so to me, this has got to be somewhat of a literal kind of thing going on right. that, uh, and because we know the chair, the cherubim in uh, the tent of meeting was artistically told to be made like this. Yep. Um, it must be that this is a you know the uh, the the tent of meeting was a was a type of yeah. something that was real. I got to got to cut you off with the end yeah. of the show. God bless you. Have a wonderful Christmas. So we'll see you next year. God bless you guys. You've been listening to a reason for hope. Thank you again for joining us as we continue our journey through God's Word one question of the heart at a time. Until we meet again, we would love to connect with you. You can text or email your questions to questionsforhope at gmail.com. You can also find out more about our ministry at calvarychristianfellowship.com. And be sure to join us next time on A Reason for Hope. A Reason for Hope is an outreach ministry of Calvary Christian Fellowship in Tucson, Arizona.